You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A new chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet. All American white pistachio nuts. Something good for ya. To this week's episode of the Something Good For You podcast, where the two of us sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week. And I'm one of your two co-hosts, Alex Stiff, and sitting across from me as always is the one and only Captain Nunn. Hey, from the Dirt Preacher's compound, we have one Tyler Reese with us as well. What's up, Tyler? Oh, you know, just, I'm here. Yes, (laughs) we've been here since Thursday, tracking and doing some fun-ass music, because as Kat mentioned, you are the head honcho at the Dirt Preachers, but you're kind of doing a little side project that we've been maybe doing mm-hmm. a little recording and filming and all that jazz. Getting our juices up yes. creatively. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to put this out. Uh, what, so my bass player, Cole, and I, we both have a deep passion for country music. I was about to ask where the idea for uh, recording country music even came from. Yeah, yeah, we just... Uh, we're both heavily into you know that old outlaw you know Johnny Cash sound. So uh, started writing these songs on the side, and um, since we can't really play shows, there's only so much work we can do with the mm-hmm. Dirt Preachers. Yeah. So we just came up with the idea: Hey, let's just do this EP on and put it out just for fun, you know? And what's it called? It is called Pass Over the Plains, and we're releasing it under the title The Witterspoons. Ooh. Now, where did that come from? So, Because uh, <laughs> I'm sitting here going, I, like, like, I know this story. I almost called you the Pussy Willows, but I was like, no, that's not it. That's another band. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the Pussy Willows. But, uh, no, uh, so... As, as y'all know, I've done a lot of work with Madison Records, mm-hmm. and at Madison Records, one of the people that run it, his name is White Oats, and I came up with a nickname for him, calling him Oats and Grains. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> right. And he, his nickname for me, my last name's Reese, so he started mm-hmm. calling me Reese Witterspoon. Ah. <laughs> So Witterspoon became my nickname when I tour with uh, Like Machines and stuff. And we were trying to come up with a name for the EP. And we both were coming to Blake's. And then Cole's like, let's just call it the Witterspoons. And I was like, you know, it's not really a solo project for me. But that's like a great, like, that sounds like a great country oh, yeah. title. Yeah. It sounds like a Southern family, like the Carters or some shit like that. Exactly. Yeah, I was like, you know... It felt a little weird at first, but I was like, it is perfect. In now, the if end. only Cole had the word uh, Reese in his name somewhere, that, <laughs> and that way it could all genuinely be the Witherspoons. There can only be one. Cole Reese just sounds like a NASCAR driver. <laughs> and coming up around the bend, now we got Cole Reese in the number 18 car. <laughs> Pretty much. The Diet Dr. Pepper car. <laughs> Some random shit like that. <laughs> Why does that work so well? I don't know, but it does. Cole's a big old boy. <laughs> you know I love you, Cole. I'm joking. Dude, Cole was a fucking monster this weekend with all of his skill sets. Dude, Cole is a fucking god musician. It is completely unfair how the fact that he can pick up any instrument and figure out in like 10 minutes. I'm just like fuck i've been playing guitar for six years and can barely play it and he's just one of those guys that can pick up a banjo and just figure it out like how long is 
Has he been playing banjo, do you think? Uh, I don't know how long he's been playing banjo, but I think he's been playing music all around for gotcha. 12 years. So yeah. it's just one of those in those theory enough where he can pick up something and just figure it out. Yeah, I think I just think he knows how to fucking do it. Like he's he's, he's one of those guys that's going to get like country sessions here before too oh, long. He's totally after going this out. Yeah, he's totally going to end up being like a session musician. Mm, hell yeah! How sure. the two of y'all wind up meeting up together? Uh, again, Madison Records. He used to be an intern at Madison. So oh, okay, uh, the Dirt Preachers, three quarters of the band come from Madison Records. You got me. You have Colt, and then our sound guy Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them were interns through like a school program at Madison. Right. And then I, I just came in because I'm, I'm friends with everybody and start working yeah. with them and stuff. And then our drummer, Gary, he, I had bought, uh, he owns a screen printing company and I had bought some shirts from him a couple of years ago. And we had talked about doing some projects a couple of times. He asked me to do like being a Blondie tribute band. And I was like, no, <laughs> didn't want to do but it. Blondie rocks. I will fight you that on that. What would you have played? I would have been the guitarist at Rhythm Guitars. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, Blondie, still, kind of, still an excuse not, to get out of your comfort zone and then like kind of figure out something different and apply it to what you're just, doing. I, and say I, like playing origi- I like playing original music. I don't have fun playing other people's stuff. But I think we had this debate the other night. As we did. Say if you get a, yeah, but, but I think it'd be fun to actually kind of go into a little bit further, especially kind of talking about, you know, the, the country route, you know. A lot of country material honestly does kind of have the same riffage and chord progression and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. there's so especially if you guys were playing a country set, I don't feel that there would be anything wrong with adding in a song that kind of fits with the style y'all been writing. You know, wh- where is it? Where does it come from on the not really enjoying playing other people's material? Maybe yours more. I mean, I get that, but I, just kind I of mean, see where you stand. Maybe on it's it, an ego thing, and I just I just want people <laughs> to enjoy my shit. I don't want them to you know enjoy other people's stuff. Yeah, I guess I kind of come from it from the showman aspect where I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I want you guys to enjoy my original music too, but I know that n- um, the majority of whatever this bar crowd is tonight does not know my material and they're not listening for it. Yeah. So if I throw at least a song that they might kind of know, not one that's overplayed, but one mm-hmm. they might kind of know, it maybe gets them interested in the originals more because at least I'll say this. If I'm here in a band and I'm not really immediately vibing with their material, if all of a sudden they bust out a song that I know, I go, okay, well, that's at least an influence. So let me at least kind of see it through that prism now, Mm -hmm. maybe. Another thing for me is like also like uh, I have like personal attachment and it to the songs that I write myself, and it I feel like it comes out in the performance where like when somebody else writes a song, you know. if we were to do a cover, it'd have to be like a song that means a lot to me on a okay. deep personal level. I couldn't just play, you know, pour some sugar on me because people well, want to yeah, fucking no, hear it. That is understandable. Yeah. But say if I was going to say, but say if you did a, yeah, but the idea of like you want to do a cover song that, you know, is, is tried and true to you. What if you did a version of a song that you love that's completely different from how the original was written or performed? Um, I mean, so if you change the key and I, I have a vibe I have, of it, and I have like done that. stuff like that before, but I I don't know. Covers just usually don't do much for me. If if I were to do a cover, it would totally be like I, the only one I do, consider doing is like a Soundgarden song. Because that's your uh, that's your favorite band, pretty much. Isn't yeah, yeah. It? Chris Cornell's like everything for me, and uh, his his death kind of like fucked me up a little. So. If if I were to do a cover, it would be a Soundgarden song. And honestly, I think that might be kind of a good thing for you to do because one thing I noticed is um, 
I, I, and the reason I say I totally feel where you're coming from is I, I have the same sort of attitude, especially early on. I wanted my music to be played. We didn't mm -hmm. we didn't learn any covers as a band for a while, no. and it took a while for us to. And what it what it kind of came down to was one. I finally felt satisfied in getting so much original material out that I'm like, okay, now I'll pay tribute to things I like. And the second thing I started noticing after I put in our first cover was we started playing better mm -hmm. because the song that we picked, which was uh, Ignorance is Bliss from the Ramones, was a little bit right outside our speed and pay grade. It kind of pushed us a little bit to you know tighten up riffage a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that kind of maybe influenced the next record where it was a lot more riff influenced. And now we're playing stuff like Kiss songs and yeah um hell there's a what's that one song we were practicing uh, uh we've radar done love. radar love yes. yeah we, so it's like now we're <laughs> even kind of putting in songs that you know it's like oh shit i wouldn't think radar love but then all of a sudden yeah. you hear it and you're like oh fuck that's, that's actually a cool song i forgot about that mm -hmm. and it maybe comes from the thing of when you put something in like that it helps you become a better musician because it may be I have a problem of writing I have a problem writing songs that aren't my usual style mm -hmm. it's like a lot of my songs it's like at this point you can listen to the fill-ins catalog and go oh that's primarily an Alex song because it has this sort of you know yeah, beat that's... and chord progression and then okay this is Mikey's song because it's a lot more a lot more dynamic and you know shit like that so I'm trying to push myself outside of that and by playing covers in like Superjet yeah. with Cap, that a lot of those songs were above my fucking pay grade on learning riffage and stuff. So to be able to push myself to learn that and then even learning a riff like from you in one of the new songs we're writing, yeah. all of a sudden it's like, bam, new tool for the pocket, you know, and now I can implement little things like that as it goes. And that always helps when it's you're doing covers by bands that you really love and bands that you want to aspire to play like. Mm. But so a lot of bands, Garden yeah. is one that you really do want to aspire yeah. to. Man, pick one of your favorite fucking songs and be like, you know what? And, and maybe not a radio hit. We're going to do Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, learn no. it. <laughs> I mean, learn it. You'll be more no, impressed with I me. Hate <laughs> no, but no, seriously, man. It's like even though Soundgarden is not my thing, I think that might be something cool for you to do. Pick a deep, mm -hmm. deep cut that maybe not a ton of people know. I mean, like the thing is, is like the one song I want to do, nobody's going to know but me. <laughs> but but that's that, what we did with the Ramones. <laughs> yeah, we we picked kind of a deep cut Ramones song. It, it had a little bit of a pop, but the mm -hmm. thing is. Soundgarden fans will know the song. Yeah, yeah. And those are the people you want to hit that trigger with. Mm -hmm. So pick picking a deep cut one, either A, people won't know it's yours, and they'll just be like, oh, this is another cool little riffy song, or mm -hmm. B, the true fans will know and be like, bro, fucking props for playing that fucking song. Yeah. And then you get more fans from that. Mm -hmm. And I know most people... Uh, with the idea of covers, they roll their eyes because what do we normally think of bands playing covers? Fucking it's, cover band, bar band, it's Sweet shit. Home Alabama, Wagon Wheel, Margaritaville, Rock uh, Me, rock John, Mellencamp, yeah. shit like that. Because I totally, because I totally get that, and I've been, and I've had to do it a few times too, and I don't like it. But that's just what bands do to uh, get paid. But mm -hmm. is there any band from what I call the wedding playlist that you wouldn't mind playing to a bar crowd? If you had to pick one that you've heard a million times hmm. just because you think it would be fun. 
not necessarily for dirt preachers, but be like, hey, yeah, Tyler, yeah, we're, no, we're, we're I, doing I, it, this random cover set. If you could pick any song, what would be the song you'd want to do? I mean, I'd, I'd probably go with Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. That's just, a solid one. Just yeah, because I've that, always that would want, be one of those classic yeah, songs, yeah. I've always wanted to learn that solo because that's one of my fa- I, I hate, I don't really like that song. I don't want to say hate, but I'm not, I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of that song. I usually skip over it when I hear it. But, but I want to play it in a cover band. Fuck it. That, that, <laughs> well, no, it's that, so, it's that fucking solo in exactly. there. Like, I really want to learn that solo and i really want to be able to play that solo and that's so the, and that's the song in the bar bands where uh the band gets off the stage and like all the bros are like dude your guitar play was fucking sweet exactly <laughs> and then all and then all the fucking bridesmaids are like can i buy you a drink uh-huh. <laughs> My biggest problem with that song is I can't stand that in, that intro that everybody oh, loves. You, da, da, da. Oh, you, you mean uh, you don't like it or you can't play I, it? I, I, oh, I can play it. I just don't like it. <laughs> it is fucky though because like your hands in a weird spot. It, 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 yeah, it's, it's definitely got a weird thing to. I just I, it's, every time I hear it, I think of. I just. I've been I, a trivia. I don't like hearing it. <laughs> I've been a trivia on that song though. That was a uh, an accident. Yes, Slash was just practicing, and Axel was like, "That's awesome." Slash, hate, Slash, Slash like, doesn't like the and song. Slash is like, day. "What? This is my bullshit circus riff." <laughs> I think we do that to Mikey a lot. Where like Mikey's just fucking around with something that he's not even thinking about. Uh-huh. Like, and, what's then, that? and then we're like, "Oh, cool, new song," and he's like, "Wait, no, I'm just warming up. Take too late, <laughs> new song." <laughs> At least he remembers. Because we tell Sometimes. them to. <laughs> you tell them to remember. Well, it's because honestly, sometimes. yeah, because it's like, hey, remember what you just played? And he's like, oh, and he'll just kind of stare at me and start playing it again. I'm like, yes, that's good. Remember that. He's like, all right. <laughs> or like with some drummers, they'll be like, oh, what was that thing you just played? Uh, I have no idea. Well, can you remember it? No, it's gone. <laughs> oh yeah, dr- drummers have the worst short-term memory I've ever met in my life. I bet you I have way worse memory than the drummers. I don't know, I, man. A, a drummer about pl- guitar player versus drummer, and like as far, as far as remembering parts, oh, maybe can, it's our I, drummer. I can I can remember parts. <laughs> it's been every drummer I've worked with. I can remember pretty much all my parts, but I can't remember anything else outside outside of the guitar. No, if I wind up stumbling across a riff I like, I'll wind up remembering it. But for some mm-hmm. reason, it'll practice. It won't run through a song, and, and you said it was our drummer. It, it's been all our drummers if that's the case and we've just had every <laughs> single person i've worked with been like this where it's like they'll, they'll throw out this awesome feel be like dude you you fucking nailed you know that pre-chorus going into the chorus now and they're like did i and it's like yeah yeah you did they're like oh i i was like yeah let's play that part again fuck and then we'll play it 10 times and we'll never be able to do it the same again nope so uh, oh one of the benefits of having our sound guy is like if we run into a situation like that, he he's got a really good ear for things. He know he knows how he knows how all the instruments work, so he's able to get you to recreate that part. Just a sound some, guy to, at the practice. That sounds nice. It, it is, bro. They've got fucking in ear monitor shit during their practice. It's like you know, <laughs> we got our like a little uh, tent city practice space. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're we playing in a fucking storage unit. Song. We haven't even released the song yet. We got a rehearsal you got space. The most bougie practice space I've heard <laughs> <Yeah>. of. <laughs> I love it. We've got like full like on stadium rigs. Like it's, it's so overkill, but it's fucking just, awesome. Let's just move down here. And just take over his uh i know right no <laughs> take over his practice space madison it's like this incarnation of the band's been uh going since 2014 and we're still in a fucking uh um storage unit with 10 walls and <laughs> tapestries uh, well part of that uh i don't well part of it i can blame on the town we live in but i don't know if i can get into that on the mic <laughs> <laughs> i don't know who I'll, who i'll be pissing off <laughs> Nah, man, let's do a tell-all here. 
I mean, it's just not the stuff we've kind That's, of alluded to. We'll save to. that for the Patreon. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but no, this has been a fun little trip. Uh, you've got you, you've even got a little bit of an in-home studio. Yeah, yeah I've got like, you know, I mean, it's pretty basic setup. I don't have any like outboard gear or anything, but uh, I've got a fair amount of plugins. Uh, you got what it takes to get basic tracking done at the very least. Yeah, I mean, we was... have one microphone all weekend. Yeah, we used a 58 to <laughs> yeah. record everything. And honestly, I mean, it sounds pretty pro if you ask me. I mean, well, it's as far as uh, arrangement and the songs we got are really I've been mm-hmm. arranged really well, I think, too. Yeah, exactly. The one that you had was really good. How's yeah. uh, how's acu- how was that acoustic experience? I mean, that was definitely way out of my comfort zone because I I don't really play acoustic guitar a ton. You're just know? fucking with electrics on yeah. uh, I mean, the program more than anything, aren't you? Yeah, I mean... It's a whole different animal, isn't it? It, it is. I mean, you saw it took me like 20 takes to finally get the, <laughs> oh, dude, get the one. When I was doing... Uh, when I was recording my country record last year, it was the same deal with acoustic mm-hmm. guitar because you gotta have... You gotta they ring out the right way and if like one little thing is just off, you gotta start all over yeah. and I'm I'm the guy where I got to play it all the way through mm-hmm. unless there's that, a pause that, and then that's punch how it I, in. That's how I am too because like even with the electric stuff like I've, I've got to get that one take. I don't I don't like chopping things up and taking bits and pieces here. I want to get yeah, the whole fucking thing. And it's not like an electric guitar where you just play in parts and it, mm-hmm. each part has a different dynamic or a rhythm to it. With the acoustic, it's got to be direct yes. all the way through the fucking mm-hmm. song. It's... It, it gets so repetitive, like playing the yep. same rhythm pattern when you're doing it. <laughs> you almost just kind of have to kind of tune yourself out, if that makes any sense. That's, you almost yeah. have that's to kind of go on autopilot. That's what, I started, that's what I started doing. I just was like listening to the click and just trying to like dance along to the click because when, what was fucking me up is once I started listening to myself play, that's when I was getting fucked up and going off beat. Yeah. 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 That happened with me a lot too. And that'll happen with me with recording bass. Sometimes too, because I'll just overthink all the little nuances. Yeah, but it was just fuck gu- acoustic guitars. <laughs> God, it was Guitar City this weekend though. What all did we throw at it? A twelve string, mm-hmm. a damn uh, baritone, baritone, telecat, the Telecaster, the red Telecaster, telecaster with a phaser. Yes, oh, I love that phaser tone. That phaser tone was. We put a tremolo on the baritone, and then yes. we had. Uh, at the very end, it was probably my favorite part, the mandolin. Oh, yeah, the, the little mandolin like on the intro, yes. I forgot. It was one of those deals where I just, at that moment, I remembered uh, Cole told me, or you told me, you had a mandolin in your oh, bedroom. Yeah, yeah. And I was figure, figuring out like some uh, Mexican guitar lines or, or mm-hmm. Spanish guitar lines or something like that. And I was just like, you know what would really sound good? Mandolin. That dude's got a mandolin. <laughs> Go get it. <laughs> I've even got that video clip. <laughs> where you're just like, ooh, does he have the mandolin? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was like my kid in the candy store moments. Like, ooh, let's do that. Mm-hmm. Because you have like the ideal setup as far as like doing at-home recordings. I mean, with- especially for what? what this is like oh yeah for like stuff like this like this record's definitely like i wanted like that you know kind of like lively at home sort of vibe to mm-hmm. it I, I didn't want it to be you know like big budget studio like the dirt preacher sound you know this is the complete opposite of what's going on it's there we don't f- need like 20 guitar tracks with yeah. this kind of felt like summer camp really just yeah. going through like every option and not having any pressure Mm-hmm. whatsoever as to how well uh, because we we all knew it was going to turn out good yeah yeah i mean this this was a lot more fun than like doing the dirt preacher stuff like really it, the dirt the dirt preacher stuff is fun putting together but it's kind of like i feel like it's a bit more stressful at times there was 
other than recording the acoustic guitar, there was there there was not much stress for this. This was just you know a spontaneous like Dirt Preachers is very planned out, very They're, organized. Yes, th- this wasn't organized. At all. So I guess that's more what I'm trying to say. You yeah. know, this this was more spontaneous and in the moment. While Dirt Preachers is a very thought out, yeah. you know, planned, complicated machine. It's kind of how the fillings is. Like mm-hmm. we plan all our stuff out before mm-hmm. we go and record. Yes. Yeah. So and just try to beat and try to uh, not beat the clock, but kind of get it done as quick as possible mm-hmm. and try to get it in like a few takes. Yeah. We don't do that with dirt preachers. We do sit there and take our time, but it's because we have a bunch of different parts that yeah. we've planned out to add. So we've got to get all those parts but, right. But, and, nece- but wasn't necessarily keeping you from doing that before you ent- enter the studio. Uh, I mean, while you we, have we the have, home set up here, we have like you know the ability to sit in a studio and not mm-hmm. have to spend a bunch of money doing it. Yeah, we but, don't but spend any, we say, don't spend any money recording actually. Because I was gonna say, I mean, just a basic thing. I mean, actually, since you guys you know sit in the studio, basically a uh, a glorified studio to practice mm-hmm. in. Well, just also pres- like in the art places, we have like the sound guy or then mm-hmm. our our producer Ned. So we have outside ears listening. Where when it's just me here to hear it, my mm-hmm. home setup, it, it's just me. Well, yeah, you know, but what I was gonna say is this cut a rough demo at the, well, at the I, practice space, I, I, take it I back do. here and then you yeah. can add synth and be like, yeah. and then send it to the guys and be like, what do you think? Yeah. And all of them can kind of, y'all can kind of build it on the off time on the mm-hmm. days y'all aren't practicing. Then that way, well, by we the don't time do you this stuff at, studio, um, we don't do this stuff at rehearsal. So, uh, we, we, we sometimes go in and track demos at our sound guys apartment and yeah, that's, yeah. and that's, that's okay. where we do the plan. The planning is when we do that stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I guess it just kind of comes from my mentality of like, once I hit like the studio door, I'm just like, all right, we're on the clock. Let's move. <laughs> yeah. Cause we try to get stuff like in a weekend is what we've consistently uh, been, uh, been our time frame as far as getting any, any release done. Yeah. Apart from it, like going back here and there and touching up guitar parts and vocals. Yeah. Usually we'll go in and like, first day of the studio we'll lay down like our basic rhythm stuff like that that bass rhythm and then but you do bass first no no like we uh, oh, like cole, bass, cole and i cole and i track live together actually it, it's just us two we'll we'll lay down you know uh our, our rhythm parts and then uh i'll come in and add in like my extra guitar stuff and then why well, didn't drums get recorded last interesting it, that it, is interesting that, it, that's the it, reverse it's, it's of really because of uh, how like our our schedules work mm-hmm. it it's just easier for us to do that way gary gary owns his own business and right. stuff so it's just easier for us to get we, we record to click track anyways right. and we, we tend to be pretty tight so it, I was gonna say, yeah, I, well. I was gonna say, at least with us, kind of as a uh, comparison to AB, we actually try to schedule it to where everyone is off that same weekend, mm-hmm. and we all try to be in the room while everyone's tracking. That yeah. even if, even if the drums are tracked first and then guitars and stuff, we try to keep it to where everyone sticks around. That mm-hmm. way, you know, if someone hears something, and it's just like, whoa, wait a minute, you What's know, that? we can immediately just take care of it right then and there. Plus, yeah. it's fun to be able to be like, all right, hey guys, now it's time for claps, and then you know, mm-hmm. the Mikey who doesn't get to do extra shit is like, yay. And he's running into the booth, and he's like, "I get to do claps." Yeah. I mean, a lot of times in the studio, it's just me. It's me and Sam, our sound guy, or it's me and Ned. You know, it, a lot of times it isn't like all of us in there together, right? Is there any specific reason for that? They just don't care. Uh, or? I I tend to I, that get, sounds negative, t- but you know yeah, what I mean. No, no, it, no, that's not that at all. It's just that I'm. I tend to be, you know, more like 
into that process than right. they are. You know, I mean, you're the one that's there 24 yeah. seven with all the mixing. And also, and where, where like Cole Cole lives and stuff, it's easier for me to get to these gotcha. places than it is for him. And then again, Gary owns his own place, so he, he so you know, it might he's as well be the, you, right? Just out of necessity. Yeah, yeah. Sounds it, like it, it's more that it's it's not that they don't care or they don't want to be involved. You know, it's just uh, some, it, it's easiest for me to go in and yeah, do it. And it oh. sounds like you're more. Uh, it's basically your band and your lyrics and your guitar parts I mean, right I, I, I don't want to say well, you know like that but <laughs> they don't fucking matter of course they, of course they, I, I mean, they matter yeah. but there's always there's always like the hype man there's always yeah. the instigator there's I mean, always I, mean, the, I, I, the instig- I do do yeah. the majority of the writing uh, Cole, Cole does <laughs> Cole does bring some stuff to the table, though. We have we have a couple of Cole songs we're working on right now. Oh, cool! Yeah, uh, he he sent a riff the other day that I'm really digging. It was uh, I think I played it for y'all. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, pick, I'd love to have him on the show and pick his brain on the hard rock side of things because yeah. I'm only gauged like all the country style, all the country music we've oh, uh, learned from Cole him, except for uh, the Metallica stuff yeah. we listened to over the weekend. But that's pretty universal. I mean, Cole, Cole tends, you know, he's the least like metal person in the band Cole's very much influenced by like, you know, folk music, country music and stuff. Like, I mean, he, he loves Metallica, but who doesn't? Yeah. (laughs) And and, I mean, I went, Jack White's not metal, but I mean, he, he does dig rock stuff like Jack White. He's, he's into that stuff. Like, I I kind of bring like, I bring the metal. I I definitely (laughs) bring bring the heavy, (laughs) But that's just what any band is, just a combination yeah. of, of different tastes, and you hope that they're all, that they're all good. Yeah. I think I'm, the best bands kind of come from that, because even in our group, you know, I, I was punk rock's in my blood, but I like rock. You know, Cap's got rock and country. You know, Mikey's a metalhead, and Christian likes, you know, 2000s rock and pop punk, you know, yep. so. Yeah, I mean, I, like, we all bring very unique elements to the table. Like, uh, our drummer, Gary, he's really into punk and metal so yeah. you, you hear that you hear that in his sound uh sound guy sam he's into like 60s psychedelic music so nice. so he does bring that you know psychedelic edge and then uh i, I i'm into like stoner metal uh you know heart heart really hard rock you know like mm-hmm. that like like machines type shit and yeah. then soundgarden talk, we've talked about how uh you like writing like the actual like process of songwriting too oh i, like, I like love it you're a fan of uh, just writers in general mm-hmm. aren't you yeah i mean I'll, i listen to a variety of music you know i'm a huge hip-hop fan i i'll listen to you know what's on the radio sometimes like pop wise because there's a lot of cool stuff going on production wise and, and not a lot of people pay attention to like the, yeah. the actual songwriting arrangement part of the deal especially mm-hmm. in hard rock mm-hmm. oh yeah for sure i mean i i think it's the most fascinating you know neil young's one of my favorite writers ever and that's oh, that's yeah. someone that's really into the songwriting process so he's been a huge influence on me in that regard yeah and he just happened to be a great guitar player too exactly I, f- I feel like we already know the answer but i'm just kind of curious but uh we usually when we get like new musician guests on the show I like asking mm-hmm. this which is just what was the first band you heard that you kind of claimed and was like this is my band i have a feeling you, i know you but know just the <laughs> so, so once upon a time actually three years ago today this happened okay it, it, august 30th at the masquerade mm-hmm. there was this band called tyler brand shakedown who you know, i was a fan of at the time and then there was this opening band that was oh, okay. See, this wasn't what I thought you were going to go with. Okay. Oh, no, no. There was this opening I thought you were going to say Soundgarden. Oh, I, I mean, too. <laughs> Soundgarden isn't the band that actually got me into songwriting. Like, I, I, I actually uh, 
Soundgarden came a little bit after this that they became okay. a very band. All right. Yes. Uh, there's this band called The Stir. Mm-hmm. Great band. Yes. Uh, I, I think I Guitarist heard. is a mega asshole. But yeah, you know. fuck that guy. <laughs> Definitely not the sweetest human being no, I've ever I mean, met. I mean, I was, yeah. I was into music before that, and I had tried to like be like a songwriter before that, but I, it's what I wanted to do for the longest time, but right. I, I didn't really know how to do it. And then... I see this, you know, Wookiee-looking motherfucker come out, <laughs> and he, he goes into this riff off this song called Like Machines, and I'm like, what? And that was actually uh, Cheney's first show with them. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, uh, and I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> I, I've never heard anything like this, and uh, y- y'all know Jackson. Yeah. I, was, I was with Jackson at the show. Shout we out went to Jackson. Together. Yeah, love you, Jackson. But uh, so he he knew the guys in the stir afterwards, and he introduced mm. me to Andrew. And Andrew and I just you know nerded out about guitars and shit the oh, entire yeah. night because you know I wasn't much of a guitar player at the time. I I, I knew a lot about gear and stuff, so uh, added him on Facebook, and we didn't talk for couple weeks but then i saw he posted this video of him playing slide and i always wanted to learn how to play slide guitar so uh he's good at that too yeah oh yeah he's a monster slide player so wait you've only been playing for like three years no no i've been playing for six years but i didn't start you know really grasping it till after i met andrew gotcha he put up that slide video i was like dude how how do you do that? And, <laughs> yeah. So, so he started sending me all these slide songs that he wanted me to learn. And then mm-hmm. we did like lesson there, you know, and Andrew over the course of time kept teaching me all these little songwriting tips. And that's kind of how I started to learn how to play instruments. And Excellent. Stuff. Yes. And become a, genuine songwriter <laughs> well it just seems like andrew's been helping out a shit ton of people because we met him only like i'd say a few months prior to that mm-hmm. as uh, we were triangulating uh, how long it had been i think we had only known andrew for about maybe a year prior and uh because uh we had seen him with uh their old drummer and uh that whole debacle that went down at a uh, star bar where he wound uh, up doing the acoustic yeah, show yeah, by yeah. himself yeah. and stuff like that so no so and Matt, exactly the same kind of situation. It's like when we got paired up with him at the Milestone, it's like after the show, he was just the coolest fucker that you could have just ever yeah. met. <laughs> no, I mean, Andrew is like definitely, I think, the best person in like the Atlanta scene to be around. Yeah, Top like, tier. Like I was saying earlier, he's probably like one of the sweetest people in the business I've met so far. Oh, Andrew is a total sweetheart. <laughs> and now Tyler's already cracking open his first mini yes. bottle of the show. Hey, we got through the making first. country music. He's got to get the whiskey out. Well, I mean, I started the whiskey before we finished the country <laughs> song, but... <laughs> Before we even started the country stuff, I mean, it's not like we're writing like sad stuff. It's like we're see, it's uh, what was the the title of the uh, guitar opus we wrote? Uh, Dying ain't living. Oh, Dying ain't living. So that's got to be a murder ballad of some kind. Is that the boom, burn down, 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 And the one that Cole wrote about uh, one of the Red Dead Redemption characters. That's pretty much all about murder and shooting people too. <laughs> that's a song about like redemption. Actually, Red, Red Dead Redemption. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Arthur is a song about like somebody that's like fucked up his life and he's trying to rebuild it back. What? So uh, we wrote those we wrote those lyrics together. Nice. 
Yeah, we did that over like a Skype session, and he he had this melody in mind. Uh, Cole, Cole usually doesn't write lyrics because he doesn't know where to like take that process. He was, so, I think, his first time on the mic was uh, the other day. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was the first time he ever sung into a microphone before. Um, and that's always a a, ru- a rush, a nervous yeah. rush. <laughs> so, uh, but we did that Skype session and. I was like, show me that melody. And like, I wrote, I came up with a couple lines, you know, to get things started. And as we went down more into, you know, he started coming up with more ideas. He came up with the course, just like the minute we hit the course, he had that entire course. Hell yeah. Like, I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Like you have it in you. You just, you just gotta keep trying at it. Exactly. That's what I'd tell everybody. Just keep doing it. Well, yeah. from what I've understood and you know, this is definitely not a knock. It's just a fact, but it seems like, uh, both of y'all are kind of new when it gets to, you know, the studio mm-hmm. type stuff anyway. Yeah, so both sure. of y'all are, you know, still kind of figuring it out as you go. And, and the more I start realizing that the more I start like really admiring how well you guys were doing, because you know, hell, I didn't have those toys to play around with, you know, when I, I was getting the benefit this. though of, like doing the internship at Madison so I, I I had like a general idea of how to figure it out without Madison I feel like I would have been dead in the water trying to do this. so yes I definitely agree with you I think that helped but at the same time someone could take an internship and not learn anything from mm-hmm. it. Yeah. so for like for instance I, I still don't have a car I don't drive mm-hmm. I've seen countless videos of people driving <laughs> I've been in the car with so many people driving yeah. it is a completely different beast when you get behind the wheel mm-hmm. so until you actually do the thing it doesn't matter how many times you watch someone do it it. once you do well, it I'm it's saying a with my thing. internship I was involved in like doing like engineering stuff and stuff so yeah, I, I, on I, an I got optimized PC on yeah. a program that's already set up mm-hmm. you know and, and stuff like that you're working off your own program your own setup your yeah. own gear that is already by itself a different beast if I was mm-hmm. like with the filming I did today uh, the past weekend if I was handed a completely different camera right before I started I would have been lost, yeah. you know, because yeah. it's like, oh, this is a brand new thing. What do you mean? It's a camera. You know, it's like, yeah, yes, it's a camera, but you know, all my buttons are in different places. Yeah, you know, yeah, and then it's, all, it's all fucky. So, you know, just for the fact of, you know, yeah, you've had a lot of experience doing that. I mean, hell, Cap and I've had experience recording over at uh, our old studio, but yeah. as soon as we go to somewhere new, it's going to be new hurdles to come over. Cause you had a, a completely different uh, software program uh from what we're used to we had to learn uh reaper on the fly kind of sort and you know things are similar like so many different daws because like at madison and at my sound when we're recording with sound guy it's pro tools when i'm Mm -hmm. at ned we're using logic yeah and then when i come back here it's reaper so i'm constantly (laughs) having to bounce between all of these different softwares and and having to remember all that you know and and Mm -hmm. keeping it registered you know that that was the thing that really struck me i was like damn that you know so I definitely see, you know, room for, you know, the growth and yeah, uh, yeah, for, yeah, sure. for everything else. But, dude, where you're at was immensely impressive. Absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. So with the room and uh, with the way it was set up that we had, we got some quality takes on everything. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to hear how it all turned out. Oh, and yeah, man. one thing that uh, you had that everybody – well, I guess we talked about guitars already. But speak, uh, just the amount of stuff that was available that – that was a I, tremendous I, I, help. I tried yeah. to like. You had all the tools in the world to like make anything you want, really. That's uh, that's kind of why I have so much equipment because I always have like recording in mind when I'm buying equipment. Like I don't I don't just buy shit to buy shit. Like there, you know, my parents get on to me for spending all this money on gear, and I'm just like, 
I'm doing it because there are specific uses for all this stuff. It's it all not, serves a purpose. Yeah, Every guitar like, sounds different. It has its own voice, and you can apply it to like any piece of a song that you want to write. Mm-hmm. It's like painting with different colors. Exactly, and it's like, you know, I'm trying to make a career out of this. Like, yeah, it, and I want to have you know the the best possible equipment to do such a thing. Like, yeah. I mean, yes, I I could do it without it, but it's a lot more fun with it. Well, of course, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But that's a when I get my computer. I mean the way you have it set up is basically how I'd like to do it too. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably at some point going to upgrade the computer to Mac because I do, I do want to start running pro tools because mm-hmm. that is the industry standard. Like yeah. whenever I send it to somebody, you know, mix or master, like they're probably going to do it through pro tools for the most part, not everybody, but for, for the most part. So I think it'd be more beneficial to have a pro tools set up. But for right now, this, what's this weird is, is that pro tools is probably like the one I've had the least amount of experience with. That, that's interesting. Because I was going to say, yeah, because like, we, uh, we've uh, dealt with Studio One. Studio One mm-hmm. and just about every studio. Reaper was at one place I visited, and, but yeah, yeah. I've only, only one studio in Charlotte I've been to so far has run Pro Tools. Wow. Yeah, and then that's all the things we do is a garage band. Yeah. Garage band. Dude, oh, seriously. Wait, is that uh, just for like demos and yeah. stuff? Yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah. demos I mean, and podcasts. Is, it's honestly great. And you can run a mastering program through Garage Band and well, it the, does really well. The first Dirt Preachers demo I ever did was through Garage Band. Yeah. It was uh, with my old drummer, Josh. It was just him and I. We, we did all the bass, the guitar, drums, and stuff. Uh, we threw the amps in the bathroom, and we were recording mm. it through one of those blue snowball Yeti mics. <laughs> nice. We even recorded the drums with just that single <laughs> single mic. I'm pretty sure and we the, did. Pretty sure we did something like that back in college. <laughs> it was a very interesting sound, needless to say. <laughs> Now, now, would it be fair to say that the Witherspoons uh, EP could possibly come out before a proper Dirt Preachers EP? I, th- I think it depends on, like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the side band gets the first release before the main band? What does Tyler Reese Records plan to do yeah, with their... Uh, Reese Records. <laughs> Reese Rec- Witherspoon Records. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nah, the, the Warm Spoon <laughs> Records. <laughs> So you have a roster of heroin. Dirt yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That was, that was the joke. Yes, I, I just want to, you know, some people are dumb like me, so I want them to understand. <laughs> see, see, it's funny now. Now that he's explained it, it's hilarious. <laughs> this, this is great. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think it's more likely that we'll hear the the debut Dirt Preacher single first. But like, you know, the Witherspoon stuff. I'm not going to promote it. Like I promote, you know, this was a record made to get experience and that fun. I mean, yeah, I'm going to put it out. I'm going to tell everybody, Hey, go listen to this on Spotify, but I'm not going to put like, you know, advertisement campaigns and Mm -hmm. shit like I'm going to do. So, uh, I mean, honestly, it it is also possible. I could just, you know, just, put it put it out there since i'm not Might putting well. in the same effort you know it just depends on like how tracking goes because right. tracking for uh the dirt preacher single is like already like 90 percent done nice you know and, and then mick one song's pretty well is done so it's just well, like, how do y'all feel about the idea of like say if you have like multiple projects if you're not tied to a label if it's good put it out I mean, I don't feel about just like that. If you want to spread out, of course, spread out your campaigns and everything. Oh yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd rather have like a solid release plan. I don't want to, you know, yeah, I agree. I mean, with the Witherspoons, I'm just going, not just put it out just to put it out. Yeah, With Witherspoons, I'm going to just put it out to put it out, but not like dirt preacher stuff. Cause I, I, you know, Witherspoons is cool project, but, uh, I think, I think 
Dirt Preachers is definitely like that's your baby f- band. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. Th- that's my love child. And of course, you always want to pu- push your baby band harder than you know any side project. Exactly. You want. I, I did this for fun, you know, and uh, so Cole and I could do something, you know, something that that's that's in his comfort zone. Yeah. So you know, Dirt Preachers. I learned a lot from all this too, with the oh, uh, tones yeah. and uh, where to and uh, working with different mm-hmm. people and things like that too. Because that's what every production gig is. It's just a uh, crash course from working with uh, different people and you got uh, to what play you instruments can... you wouldn't normally yep. get to play. Oh like, yeah, and the dobro uh, and the baritone. And, and all three of us um, want all of our stuff to be good. We're not mm-hmm. going to like settle for anything, you know, half-assed. So th- that was kind of fun to mentali- push each other too. Yeah, the mentality we all we all had shared, you know. I think that's approach, always, which yeah. was fucking great. It, it brought out the best in all of us. I mm. think so. No, yes. I, I, and I was definitely liking that. And, and I liked about this process that I didn't have to fucking do shit except for like shake some shit and like, you know, go, come on, man, you can do it. And it's like, I didn't have to worry about nothing this time around. I was like, this is cool. I just that's, get to sit back and watch. So you get that's like, that's what I, I also liked as well as just getting to do more because I focused a lot on in my engineering abilities mm-hmm. and production stuff. So yeah. I was getting to listen more and, you know, that also helped develop my ear more in ways, you know, I was hearing things maybe I wouldn't normally here and oh yeah i felt like we were on the same page yes ex- exactly and uh, i had a fucking blast like a mandolin, <laughs> yeah, a mandolin. <laughs> alex is also really good at producing drums from mm-hmm. what i've noticed i think you get better drum takes out of folks than like say i would i, I don't i i don't know about I think that you, i, think I you feel understand like the you, you got better. that ri- you got that rhythm thing. i was gonna say like, that the, that's the only reason i just kind of stepped in on that is working with cap uh, for so many years I definitely know his strong points and his weak mm-hmm. points his strong points are like bro we need some good ass guitar here give him five minutes he, we've got something that's you know f- fucking you know gold standard worthy yeah. give that guy a stick and a shaker and tell him to keep time and look, we're gonna be there all fucking day so that was more or less a thing of I know I can keep a rhythm let me just knock this out for these guys so they can focus on their guitar stuff more <laughs> yeah. but with drumming in general you're really good at like putting uh, pointing out what you want out of like say session drummer and things like that i think honestly it's because i always hear a drum beat in my head when i'm playing a song and the drum keep beat can alter the song drastically because like for instance where there was one uh, yesterday while i was doing the kick it really felt like it needed to be on the off beat until i just decided to go on the on beat but if i were the actual drummer i would have really focused on you know trying to get it to where it was on the off beat because right. it just felt like with the strumming the mm-hmm. off beat on the kick would have actually felt better that's too much work man <laughs> <laughs> but but that's like where my brain yeah, goes yeah. with it is so if i'm playing a guitar riff the only way maybe that guitar riff works is with a certain you know kind of pausey fill thing yeah, where it's yeah. like now if you do exactly what i hear in my head the song will make sense you'll hear it and you'll go mm-hmm. oh that does make sense timing wise but me explaining it to you you're gonna hate me for a minute but just trust me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, what, what, and i think honestly it just has come down to I hate using the word audiophile because that is just such an annoying and pretentious fucking like term. It's like, you know, ooh, my ears are better than everyone. But it's like, I, and I we don't have even. musicians' ears. How about that? I feel like there's certain frequencies I can kind of pick out and certain ones that I can go, oh, this is going to be a negative. And simply for fucking with electronics for so long, mm-hmm. I can hear if there's a certain noise, be able to go, oh, 
well, that's a this kind of thing, or oh, that's a power sound, or you know, this, that, and the other to be able. Yeah, to... you you got that when uh, we were trying to record bass through yeah. the Ampeg. You were like, oh, there's something. Yeah, that, I was like, yeah. oh, that that that's a wire interface thing is crossing over, and that's why you're hearing just that low hum. Just coil mm-hmm. up your wires and tighten it up, or maybe get a better shielded one, and oh, that'll go we away. Just they're on, you know. The SVT preamp. That's yeah, the way to say yeah. <laughs> but plug, no, that's, Plugins that's, are awesome. Yeah, especially for bass. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of times, I mean, bass players just, you know, DI their signal into the PA. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I can't think of uh, maybe Time Is Now is probably like the only recording I've done on bass where there was uh, an live amp. amp. Yeah. A live, and even then, we blended it with the uh, programming in studio mm-hmm. one two and honestly we probably could i think we we're just holding on to live amps so hard because everything else was being taken away from us that we just had to hold on to something we and i think that we were just like at least we're doing live amps on everything then god damn it but, i mean bass is of, hard though because of the frequencies mm-hmm. and like if you have like the wrong room for it it's gonna show it, and yeah, honestly what i found on that is it comes down to the bassist and it, and it's something that you've started kind of honing in a lot better, and I think it's going to help with future recordings, which is when I was mixing our demos, stuff that you were really hitting the strings harder on, that would come through louder, but then on the higher strings, you wouldn't hit them quite as hard. Now you're hitting everything at about the same uh, velocity. Then you can crank that compressor up. Now it's not going to try to compress the random burp sound that it hits thus everything goes through in that smooth line and then you can add your bass in you can add your treble now you can play through the entire thing and it sounds completely smooth and it doesn't sound like it's going right that's just picking picking hand placement and yes pick hand placement for bass cold i don't give a fuck I'm not a real bass player. I've been fooling you all for years. It's a real thing for a lot of folks, and that right hand uh, picking placement makes a whole lot of difference, especially on bass guitar. I've even noticed with guitar, like you know, sometimes I'll sit there and watch Andrew play guitar, and just watching his right hand the way the way he just so smoothly Mm -hmm. just picks. Yeah, that that's been like a big thing that like I'm trying to work on myself is getting that really just tight picking hand. And if you can, that's fascinating. Oh yeah, and if you can get a tight pick hand without destroying like completely punishing your strings when you do need to do something that's a bit more intense you have that availability to do it if you've been hammering in this entire time and now you've got a pop pop in a song that's it's just gonna go through the same way but if you've got that good control when it comes to that you can really give it a hard strum and it gives a better one thing i noticed is like you really like control your wrist like oh it's that, all in the wrist it's man. all like uh-huh. like i i used to be very big about the, all the, the arm, leg, yeah you know, yep. like the doing the arm and then i realized not nah, it's it's all about getting that getting that wrist right once you get that wrist right it's it's on and if you play with your forearm like long enough it's just gonna like give out on you yeah, too it starts to hurt and you're like Fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I, re- I was trying to learn um I can't remember what it, it was something Paul muted. It's probably a Metallica riff, you know, it was yeah. super fast. And I, I was trying to do that same, you know, uh-huh. thing. And my arm would just like cramp up. You'd see my veins like popping out. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me, dude? I, I feel like I'm pretty good with my speed and rhythm because I, I, I grew up from the school of Johnny Ramone. That yeah, was all yeah. downstroke, that bah, 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 kind of thing. So I, I worked out my wrist, dude. Even playing something like Spit Out the Bone, trying to alternate between like the. 
Swapping between the actual, I can hit, I know the notes, but swapping between actually hitting the notes and then going back to that is so fucking yeah. hard. I feel like James Hetfield is one of the few that can just like play it that precisely. I'm sure there are like. In general, him. I can't down pick for shit. Really? Like, I mean, I, I you know, I, I can do the. the yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The basic palming, but once it gets into that really fast palming mm, shit, I'm not real yeah, good I'm, at that either. Yeah, I, I, I probably granted, I, quit, I haven't sat down and like really tried to practice at yeah. that because that's not like I quit playing was, metal a long time ago too. So <laughs> I think also something kind of thinking about it because you were mentioning in the whole drum thing, and I think this actually falls into your strumming style. You you kind of strum to a beat. So even if you're doing a straight do. downstroke, you're going to be doing a dun 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 you, you almost kind of keep too. a beat a mm. little bit on a harder downstroke. So honestly, when you're doing the, uh, if you're just want practice and palm muting, I would honestly just kind of focus on doing like a dun 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 oh, on, yeah, on the yep. fourth one, do and the lift adding up. Adding that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's going to kind of get you in that and, the, and then just keep speeding it up. Mm-hmm. And I think that would honestly just build, it's going to build up a little bit of that muscle right here and here. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're going to be able to really hone in and get that really tight precision, especially for that music you're writing. Especially man. if you get like a real clean guitar. I mean, that's not normally something I aim for, but you know, that might be cool for like future writing stuff. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. Think it would be and especially kind of like helps you uh get uh listen for like clearer tones and stuff like that it yeah. makes you like more disciplined yeah to, to not make it sound like crap if uh <laughs> or keep playing it so it doesn't feel like crap uh with a clean app with a little bit of gain on it or something yeah, like yeah. that and you've got enough Wait, of the damn toys clean amps what are those <laughs> dude that's well, my, that's my got, lane lately have, have you seen have you seen my oh wait i we, guess we, you've we, only we, seen we, pictures of my stack play, yeah we played through like the clean channel of that box all weekend uh, yeah I, 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 <laughs> I don't have a single like amp that cleans up well. Like Dude. I've got the diesel and the Marshall, you know, that I use for dirt preachers, yeah. and here it's all orange. Yeah, but you can get clean tones oh, out of orange. Not tone. not the oranges that I have. No, he here. has like the little black terror and yeah. shit like that. Yeah, like so. it, it, they're metal amps. Like I I used to have a Fender Twin Reverb. Really, I missed that amp. I was uh, gonna say back when back when I uh, yeah it was a seventy six. Uh, what I, I, really? Back when, it, that was a great one. I used to play like who full, has it? Let's go get it. I don't know who has it. Some guy in Swanee, but uh, <laughs> I forgot his name. But uh, no, so I used to do like stoner metal before I started doing that, and there'd be like clean sections, and then I'd go into the big riff. You know, mm-hmm. I kick yeah. on my fuzz pedal, whatever. But so. The Twin Reaver was fucking great sounding. But uh, as I grow with clean tones, you know, I, I lost interest in that, in that like, Twin Reaver clean because the Twin's are very, like, it's a dark clean it's a little sound. Bra- it's a little, it can be a little harsh sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I like but that. But with the right guitar, it's I like just, that Vox style clean. More I think so the Vox is well more rounded as a I like British, clean tones. I like, Brit- I like British amps, you know. I mean, my my distortion tone is British. Well, it's a mix of German and British. I like mm-hmm. I like the way the uh, diesel sounds. Yeah, I like all the Marshalls and oranges, but I don't know for some reason with the uh, small clean amps, that's kind of like mm-hmm. in my opinion, it's made me a better guitar player just to like because you're, you're not hiding in distortion yeah. or like overdrive or anything like that. If you fuck up, uh, everybody will know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do, I do, I do have a plugin that is based off a of Fox, so I do, I do play like clean stuff through that sometimes. But it's gonna be fun to write little like chordy riffs and that kind of yeah. ballpark too. I don't, huh? I don't believe in playing chords for riffs, man. <laughs> I, I use like just I single use, notes. It, well, for like you know the main. 
like riff of the song i tend to write more more lick based stuff but then when i go into choruses that's where i kick out you know your cowboy chords your power mm. chords and that stuff i tend to avoid that for riffs just because i feel like you know when you're doing that it just kind of sound it it tends to sound like something you've done before where like where a lick you can kind of make it your own more so we've had this conversation with folks about how you're always like scared that just going to sound like something you know mm-hmm. or something you're familiar yep. with and well, uh, i hate when i write right you know I a lick or like something that, people though. show me something that sounds like yeah i'm like god damn it oh yeah there's definitely <laughs> been moments where i've like uh where it's been blatantly something else, and I've had mm. to stop playing it because of it. I think I had a bass line that was like that. Uh, that Hell. sounded just like Green Day. And Hell, yeah. we, we ran across that uh, today, getting out of the car at QT. We were listening to a song, and we went, oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it was very similar to something we had already written, but I was like, the vibe is completely different. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we'll, we'll let it ride. It was What's, just one little riff in the song. I heard it. I was like, fuck. See, what you do, if it sounds familiar, if it sounds like uh, unoriginal, you flip it into something <laughs> you else. You just play it in reverse. Exactly. <laughs> hey, that, Dude, I, you just, I just read your shirt, and it's just fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's fascinated by my uh, if it ain't stiff it ain't worth a fuck t-shirt that's the old that's stiff what she record. said yep <laughs> old stiff records <laughs> that was their slogan that was a 70s label too and that was their uh, slogan I'm telling you man if I ever win the lottery after I buy my friends you know the nice little fill-ins house with the studio and all that shit well, that we've talked about too, and right? I'll buy you a guitar too thank you thanks a- after all that shit happens I am buying the name to stiff records that's like, be floating out there. I, I, every year I look it up and they're barely doing anything. They're they're basically in existence a name only. They, say, they barely do anything. Bro, I would swoop in so fucking fast, be like mine. Uh, fucking nab it, fucking uh, redo that logo back and fucking just bust that shit out. Like the only thing they hang, had to hang their hang, uh, hat on for the longest time was the first damn releases, right? They also did a lot of the Sid Vicious releases. They yeah, did, they did a lot of the British punk, uh, like uh, just right. random seven inch stuff. But yeah, I mean, aside from that, I mean, I probably wouldn't have access to the back catalog. I wouldn't give a fuck. I'd just start reusing it and name and just fucking put out good rock and roll and punk rock releases on it again. <laughs> might, <laughs> as well, might as well utilize Dirt a good name, right? under stiff records. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> show, show us the track well, first. We'll, we'll see what happens with that guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to set it on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how much time we got on this thing? We can go a little longer. All right, We can go for three hours, man. (laughs) All right, well, let's... uh, I got a question for y'all then. Mm -hmm. Why why do y'all hate Queen so much? (laughs) (laughs) We're really going to this. Let's do it. We got some time. I've I've got a very controversial statement here. You you start. Yeah, I want to hear your part. I don't like Freddie Mercury's voice. That is very controversial. I know. It's just like... It reminds me of theater kids, and theater kids annoy me. But he wasn't. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but he was a theater kid, and, well, that, and that's kind of what gave him his style well, and everything. But Freddie Mercury kids and I, go on to go to, to big, do great things, whether they're singers or wrestlers or fucking, yes, wrestlers or theater kids that work out. That's just all they are. <laughs> yeah, wrestlers that's just like, theater I, I, kids I, that work out. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> Growing up, you know, I was around a lot of theater kids, and they kind of annoyed me. And Freddie Mercury reminds me of them, so it's just like I don't. I, you I just mean, have not, a personal bias I, against the yeah, the subculture I, of yeah. high school. I, exactly, it reminds me of high school, I guess. So that's that. That is why I hate Queen. For, I've said it on at least on the Discord before. It, it's honestly because they just feel overrated. 
It's, everyone goes immediately to Queen, and I, especially after that movie came out, then everyone decided Queen was, that was their way, favorite where band everybody ever. became a Queen fan after the movie. Well, yeah, and it was it was same thing with Molly Crew too. Well, that's just started on that. Well, that's just what bio, that's what biopics do. They they get exposed to a well, different it audience seem that, that hasn't been listening John, to them. Though. No, what, happen what happened with, to all um, the fucking Elton John good fans? points. Cabby <laughs> <laughs> was set his fucking drink down. He's like, God damn it, they've got a point. <laughs> I, I was, uh, it feels talk- like Elton John never like dropped off in popularity, though. Like Queen was kind of no, like... In a, I don't know, man. I don't know, I don't, you don't hear a lot of people that are like, Elton John's my favorite artist. Like, you would hear that a lot in the uh, 70s and 80s. I don't think... Uh, well, I think the Elton with that story compared to... A band with an iconic front man who passed away from AIDS uh, pandemic, mm-hmm. and with is Motley it the Crue, death thing. It's, I think the death thing, but with the Motley Crue, it is the death thing. But with the Motley I, Crue I don't argument, really think Queen is. I, I don't put them in the death thing because Queen was he, fucking huge. You know, like they were playing like the biggest fucking shows. Look at look at Wembley. Look at yeah. Wim, like all you have to do is look at Wembley. Like they had the success they have now back then. So right. I, I wouldn't but, but pull what, the death card. I'm for talking them. about legacy, as far as like uh, how you separate I mean, that from say an Elton John story. But uh, I was alluding to earlier with the Motley Crue argument. The reason that took off was probably because of the cartoon character element that is their sex, drugs, mm-hmm. and rock and roll yeah. lifestyle that was you know beat down our throats mm-hmm. <laughs> for 20 years. I don't know. Let, let's kind of. Let's frame it like this. So, so you wanted to pull. Uh, so, using Wembley as an example. So that, that 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 is good. But let let's go down the horrible, morbid rabbit hole yeah. <laughs> that, that podcasters do. And let's say in that bus crash that killed Cliff, it wound up nabbing everyone. Yeah, Metallica would be bigger than they are today. I feel like. If it was the whole Because think about that big show they did. They played that huge fucking festival thing where it was like a fucking mile long was, of fucking people. It was that an was Aussie that, tour, wasn't it? That was the Monsters of Rock in Moscow. Oh. Yeah, but, but, oh, but, okay. but, see, but, but, you, but you still saw that entire crowd bumping to yeah. that band. It wasn't that just was, like, oh, they're just here. No, Metallica had that crowd. Metallica's yep. success was because of the but black. that was with Yes, it, that was with Jason. Metallica's success was because of the Black Album. Right. The Black Album, and that was after Cliff died. If they had never released the Black Album, they they wouldn't be nowhere near as big as they are now because the Black Album is... But, this is going to be controversial, but the Black Album is... It might not be my favorite metal album, but it is the perfect heavy metal album. So you don't think the Cliff albums would have been enough to launch them into cult superstardom? Maybe uh, cult uh, superstardom, but not like cult superstar, But it wouldn't have been like they are now. You n- know? Not like Kurt Cobain. Unless, unless they had like that, that's kind of where I'm looking at it. I, 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 I see that so. could have been I, another I Nirvana. I completely disagree because, with that because uh, before the Black Album, uh, Metallica didn't really have like a hit or anything like that. I mean, with, with Master Kurt of Co- Puppets did really one. well. I mean, well, one was a hit. One, it was one, one, was, after, hit. one was, still, was after Cliff. That was after Cliff, yeah. right? But but you were saying they didn't have a hit before the Black Album. That was still but before not, the Black not Album. Not one that crossed over like Inner Sandman did. Like with the Kurt Cobain example, Smells Like Teen Spirit crossed over like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Inner Sandman crossed over like a motherfucker. I, I think one did too. It was the first one that got them a music video. They, that they was were like their MTV only famous. Music video, but I think it would have been like a Headbangers Ball cult. Uh, cult following about like Slayer or Anthrax or Megadeth. I I think like 
Metallica would have been they were huge trends for in, sure. Right? Yeah, Metallica would have been huge in like you know the thrash community. I don't think they would have been huge across you know maybe the music a, community. Maybe like a, to like a Motorhead or something like that. Yeah, too. yeah, definitely, definitely more widely motor- regarded. If the if uh, say a tragic situation you that know, claimed everybody, you, know, you you go to like a Metallica show, you see people that aren't metal fans at those yeah. shows. I I don't think you would have seen that had had like they all died at that point. Not now let's inter- talk about how awesome it would have been if it was Kurt instead of Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Lars. <laughs> Kurt, I, Kurt's I, a no, good guitarist. I, I love Kirk. I, I Kirk's the nicest I, one I mean, in the band. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, Kirk, or Kirk is definitely the nicest, but I feel like he... He's digressed with time, while Lars has just stayed shitty. And also, <laughs> La- Lars has provided me with like countless hours of entertainment because I just love listening to Lars oh, be a douchebag. It's if, great. If that, if that man don't keep his tongue in his mouth when he's playing drums, I'm gonna cut it off. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he starts doing a fill, it's oh, I mean, put that back in your mouth. You ugly. Stop it. <laughs> As well, opposed Lars to me, where like every photo me. I have playing bass on stage is me with my fucking tongue well, out. Hey, we'll, we'll play Gene Simmons on that. <laughs> I, let's talk about Cap's faces for a minute. <laughs> you know that's going to be the episode photo for this one. I hope so. I made that my Discord photo. <laughs> I saw that. That was great. So, I, so I've been filming uh, the whole Witherspoons thing just to put a little compilation video together of uh, for one of the songs of Tyler's choosing. And I don't know what wound up happening, but yesterday at some point in time, uh, Tyler was trying to type something in on the computer and the keyboard wasn't working. And I had my phone out. And I, it was kind of a slow period, so I was just snapping a couple photos. And right as Tyler said, "Bro, my computer, my, my keyboard isn't working anymore," I wound up snapping a photo of Cap right as it dawned on him, <laughs> and he was about to be like, "What?" And just the look on his face of like pure terror and anger at the same time of just like, "Are you?" F-? It was seriously the face. Yeah, a couple of, of those. <laughs> it was seriously the face of, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> It's like, how does the keyboard just quit? <laughs> yeah, and then there was another video where just, I think you were just concentrating, and I just got Probably. that one of you just My slow just zoom. <laughs> I just look like Charles Manson, just about to, <laughs> after listening to Helter Skelter. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have some fun editing, like some sinister music behind it. <laughs> no. what, was that? what was going on with that moment? You were like pasting... Uh, oh, shakers yes. or like percussion. Oh no! Well, when you were uh, concentrating, it was uh, Cole was doing something. He was uh, tracking no, no, guitar. No, when, when that happened, I was um, that that was when I was doing the shakers, wasn't it? No, no, I had that photo uh, oh, later, and that's when okay. I was making fun of it on the computer with it. No, the uh, no, the video of him just kind of like scrowling, scowling mm-hmm. off oh, in the distance. Oh, I, I was trying to name like a guitar track or something. Yeah, that's he was just happened. sitting here. He's just like, it was a baritone. It was a baritone guitar. Oh, well, I, I should have been excited. My face just does that sometimes. Oh yeah, that, that's just your thinking <laughs> That's just face. all that was. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I caught the perfect angle to make it extra sinister looking. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my favorite picture ever. I think. <laughs> just my haggard ass. Just like, <laughs> Being intense in this, in the moments, in the process. Dude, you look like a dude that's trying to like buy crystal meth, but his dealer's out. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, uh, actually, it's a nice little wrap up because we kind of talked about Queen, but but I feel like we wound up exhausting that. The it other was a day. very light debate. <laughs> it was, but. 
Uh, I feel like th- this might actually be an interesting one to round out. Metallica over the le- over the weekend uh, did their drive-in concert. They did mm-hmm. uh, where it was what a hundred bucks a car. Uh, it was hundred fifty, I believe, was the exact was, amount. Okay, uh, probably, so what, after, so, yeah, probably after taxes and charges. Whatever, yeah. fucking matter. One fifty a car, and you can pack as many people in the car, but it's just one fifty a car, and essentially you watch Metallica play an exclusive show that they filmed on a drive-in theater where you oh. got the music pumped into the car stereo or you know the outside stereo however they set it up at that instance how do you guys feel on that is that a suitable replacement right now not for that ticket price if it's just like something they pre-taped and just put on a big screen for a drive-through if it was them in person that they were doing like say what band, some bands are doing with yeah. drive-through tours I think it would be worth it but not on a big projector. No, from what I was able, to, yeah, from what I was able to find when I was doing a little research on it, they went to some field out in the middle of nowhere, uh, recorded a set, and then took it back and you know cropped it together, make made it look good, you yeah. know, mastered the audio, and you know made it real cinematic, and then played it one night only. It seems like, or mm. one or two nights only. God bless them for trying, but I don't know. I wouldn't do it. I was Can gonna I say, say something like super controversial here. What stopped open, you before? <laughs> open up the fucking venues. Just everyone gets so mad when you say that because well, everyone gets so mad when you say it. It's just like no, like bands need to get back out on the fucking road. We well, we need to get to playing shows. Like just do, do do half capacity. Have people wear masks. You know and. Enforce the social distancing. Don't tell me you can't enforce Bro, the social I, distancing. I you am, fucking can. I am, uh, dude, people fucking social distancing shows anyway. Don't even give me that bullshit. Well, I mean, not, yeah. at, at, <laughs> it depends. Fucking, not if it's like a packed show, but you know, it's just like, but like, no, the we, people outside smoking in their own yeah. little corners anyway. Well, fuck then it. everyone in the smoking, you know, they're they're not social distancing. They're, they're all right on top of it. Like, dude, have this joint, man. <laughs> this is some great OG Kush, dude. This will get you fucked up. You you know I'm in your fucking core i feel the exact same way but even last night there uh johnny from reporting from 20xx was sharing it on facebook this fucking bar in charlotte has like their own self-serve beer uh yeah like garden thing mm-hmm. fucking people pulling their masks down fucking drinking right out of the fucking tap putting their lips all over it and shit <laughs> fuck Jesus. it man shit happens you know <laughs> this, is, no, na- this is just no this is just natural selection at that point right but it's not only natural selection but the person that actually is trying to socially distance that walks up and now gets from that tap if that person is asymptomatic they've rubbed their fucking covid lips all over Mm -hmm. it and it's like so that's the reason why this bullshit isn't even fucking working i don't think we're going to open back up till march I mean, no, I I do agree on that, but, but I, I just want I'm just fucking done oh, with dude, it. And I I'm, want I'm it too. Nobody wants it harder than me, but yeah. people are going to keep being assholes. People are going to be assholes before asshole. and after. <laughs> like people aren't going to stop being assholes. Like it's just like fuck it. Like you know, people are going to die. It's going to happen. So what? <laughs> People are meant. This is just a meat sack. We're going to die eventually, anyways. I'm, well, we're all in the same boat of wanting to get back out there, but well, how about uh, because actually, as a contrast, on about the drive-in shit. So, so the Metallica thing was one fifty. Kevin Smith has been doing drive-in shows for his live podcast. Mm-hmm. It's been a hundred a car, and he's there just for like. Yeah, oh, he, he's actually like he's there. there, and, it's, oh, and he's okay. like he's actually in you know the crowd, still being projected on a screen, mm-hmm. but he's talking to all the cars that way. You know, if you like something, you honk your horn, yeah, and you know yeah. he reacts to it and everything. Okay, see, 
That's that, different. That, that's something I would totally be down for. And that's maybe kind of what I was leading into. If so we it's did like, like actual like driving concerts where the band's there, fuck mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I totally would go to that. And but I don't want to watch like you know pre-recorded movie. No. Like I don't care. I, I don't. I don't like theaters in general, and I'm not a huge fan of like. I mean, I go to theaters if it's like you know. Those are my movie, favorite. But, Those are probably my favorite venues for like live music is is theaters. But I, what I think is going to happen before if we are indeed you know closed off till March with playing shows is that the industry is going to figure out how this drive-in approach works because bands are already doing it. Yeah. In Europe, they had a socially distanced festival that had like these like little like boxed yeah, off like I've tables. Seen those. And I, you know, I mean, it's different. I, I wouldn't exactly want that, but if it's the only way we could have festivals, I'm down. My yeah. comfy ass would love it. Just be like, hey man, come hang out here. Put your mask on. <laughs> you, can, I got you, my, can, you can hang out in my square. I got my, uh, cha- you know, I I got just, my chair. I'm all comfy. <laughs> I, what I like about festivals though is like just the ability to get like really fucked up and roam around everywhere yeah. like that. It's just like, you know, I, I can't, I can't do that outside at the park normally. Yeah. I can do that at a festival though. You just want an excuse to just <laughs> I mean, yeah. But it is an experience. The out the festival deal is an experience. I've done it a few times. But but isn't a festival experience in the car? Uh I don't, I maybe don't, a show. I don't know about a festival. Either. But, but I, don't, I think I don't, the only way to justify to, the I feel like a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks is gonna be the standard because of how much it costs to rent these places. Yeah. So let's say for instance, uh there's somewhere we'll meet in the middle. We're in Georgia right now. Cap and I live in North Carolina. Say there's somewhere in South Carolina that has a nice drive in uh theater that uh they're like, Yes, you can rent it for base price. And we do the math and we figure out, okay, if we get it to half capacity at a hundred a ticket, we'll at least break even. Yeah. I feel like the only way we could guarantee enough people showing up is if you did it festival style with at least five or six bands. I mean, if it was a band of our level, then yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Bands for us. Fuck the big names. They, they've got they've got the money. They've got this figured out. I'm talking about bands like us. I'm talking about the Dirt Preachers, like Machines, the Fillins, oh, bands that just want to fucking oh, get out and play just, again. We just should be dude, allowed to play dude, fucking dive bars dude, on the weekend. Like, the Witherspoons. Can you imagine the Witherspoons? At a uh, or like any country artist with a tailgate party just outside with a stage, oh, oh yeah, would make so much money. That's well, probably that's already happening. Well, see the the logistics of it is let's easy. Do, let's do a Witherspoon's felon show like that. Oh yes, can we? Can well, see, we? here's let's, here's let's figure out. Well, here's the logistics of the drive-in shit. It's just this easy. You get your portable soundboard guy that mics up everything like he does at a Sam, sa- at, like he does at a show, yeah. and then route that audio to the drive-in people, uh-huh. and then and, inst- and then instead of the camera that's you know uh, projecting the movie, instead of using that input, mm-hmm. have it be the input of the camera guy, and have fucking maybe one or two camera people out there filming the thing. Mm-hmm. you're right in front of the big ass screen that way it's kind of like stadium style that yeah. they've got like a big projector and you just play like that i think we could pull it together it's just the big thing of getting the cash together and i refuse to do a fucking gofundme no <laughs> i don't think that'll happen for like bands I of mean, our level for a minute if it 
picks up like that. You know, we could always just, you know, suck dick who for has, money. Who has money out there yes. that wants to do an who? indie rock and roll festival at a drive-in? Any takers? Greg. Any investors? Hit us up on Instagram at somethinggfy or the Discord link in the bio. Hey, yes. my Venmo is Tyler D. Reese Zero. <laughs> my Venmo is AlexDuff1945. <laughs> I don't remember mine off the top of my head. But <laughs> we'll you take care of it. Me. <laughs> Put it in the, uh, the podcast notes. Yeah. <laughs> I won't no, do GoFundMe, but I will take Venmo. <laughs> yeah. Tyler does have an OnlyFans. <laughs> no, where he no, plays all the sexual guitar licks. No, no. OnlyFans is, you know, that's a work in progress. We're working on it. You know, we're trying to get the right Polaroids for it. <laughs> Oh, you got to do it old Look school. Look at this photograph. <laughs> and that's Tiny Peter Tower makes me laugh. It's funny. <laughs> Cap and I were listening to some Nickelback last night. He wasn't, he wasn't feeling it. I was not. I, was, I left I, the room. I, I, I was quite enjoying it. <laughs> and here we are. Ta- you were talking shit about Queen. I know. Talk, it's like, even though I'm not a fan of Queen, I'm also not a fan of Nickelback. So yeah, I mean, get out of here. <laughs> I, I feel like the hate. I, I like Nickelback because of how much people hate them more so I than love, I actually I, like them. I love that the guys in Nickelback have the sense of humor about it, yeah. though. I mean, Rockstar was the song. Rockstar was essentially them making fun of themselves. When you think about it, I still it. hate that song. Here, here's my argument, and I use this on my Rage Against the Machine thing, and I can rework it into. Uh, the, <laughs> I can rework it into talking about Nickelback, which is someone when uh, Rage Against the Machine is more relevant now than they were when they recorded the music. I'm like, that does not justify the song. Well, that I does think, not justify the quality. Right. So, on the flip side, no, no, we're going to argue about Rage Against the Machine here uh, for no, no, a second. I'm, I'm no, working no, to no, a point, no. goddammit. I don't I, care I, about your point. You're talking <laughs> shit about Rage Against the Machine right here, man. That's fucked. Success. That's fucked up. When someone goes, well, what have you done? They're on the radio. Oh, what have you done? They've oh, got I, money. I, I do oh, agree. what have you done? They're argument. successful. I don't give a good god flying fuck if they're successful. Nickelback is still a shit man. Well, they're doing something that you're not. Yeah, writing crap music that uh, it applies to the most common denominator of people. Yes, you enjoy that. But fame. You, you also can't you can't use that argument against Rage Against the Machine though because Rage I Against the I used yeah, to be talking about Nickelback. <laughs> but I'm just saying, but the way you left, uh, like no, I, Rage Against I, I, the Machine you, has re- like, relevance. That was my okay. argument for but Rage I would, Against Machine. I wouldn't use, you know, Rage Against the Machine term relevancy. That's not what makes them good. It's the fact that, like, you know, they had a super unique sound for a time. And even to this day, you know, there's not, a, there's never been a band that's really sounded like Rage Against the Machine. I think that's separate from the, re- <laughs> I think that's separate from the relevancy argument because you can make that with any band that has political themes. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I Honestly, even in terms of songwriting, I don't think it's just like the political voice that made yeah. Rage Against the Machine so big. Like, you know, Rage Against the Machine was one of the first bands to really focus on like being more like bass distortion led more so than guitar. Because Tom Morello doesn't use a lot of guitar distortion on his guitar. It's yeah, I like, feel like Black Keys were before Rage Against the Machine. No, Black, Black Keys were way, way after. after. The first and Rage like, album came out in like 92. Black Keys don't have a bass 92? player too. Yeah, they're See, that I, old. See, I was going to say, I knew uh, Keys didn't start until like mid-90s, but at the same time, I was like, I didn't know that preceded that. Yeah, it's weird. I'll put Black Keys in that uh, box of uh, like with Rage Against the Machine as far as uh, guitar players that had like really simple approaches but mm-hmm. got all techie with it. Yeah. And that, that was kind of maybe the, the reason I kind of pulled from that first. I, I feel like, yeah. with, you know, like when we talk about Rage, like if when it comes to that weird guitar stuff, like I think 
the only record that was really too weird guitar wise was that second record I did, Evil Empire with Bulls on Parade and I stuff. Never I like the first album a lot. When I was going to school, I listened to mm-hmm. uh, the first album a the, lot. The first and the third are great. The second one, it was just more Tom Morello. That's where he got the name for you know doing all the weird guitar noises, and yeah. I felt like that record focused too much on that. It didn't focus on the songs. It didn't focus on the lyrics as much. Where like, the well, f- if we want to talk about lyrics, they repeat the same fucking thing throughout okay, the whole. Yeah, he's song. making a point that, 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 lyrically. That, 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 <laughs> over killer okay, riffs. If you're saying killing a name, sure. That's what I was but, thinking. But like, if you listen to you know pretty much. Let's talk about bomb track. There, yeah. there's and there's a ton of fucking lyrics. A lot of their songs are packed full of you know these lyrics where he's extremely going into detail about the corruption in our mm, political system. I think system. bomb track's a good example of Bo- that. Oh, bomb track is fucking. What's the uh, what's the what's the other one that's off the same album where it's like dun 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 dun? No, your enemy. <laughs> no, <laughs> your enemy. That's a great one. That's essentially what it is. That's exactly what it is, though. It's you say, you're joking, but <laughs> and that's a better song. <laughs> Wake, wake up is another really good one. But I like with wake the, up it, a lot. With the Rights Against Machine, though, I'll, I'll round it off with this. Um, do you think that Tom Morello should be getting more props as an innovator when it comes to guitar playing? Like, say, I, Jimi Hendrix or Eddie Van Halen do? I, I think Tim Crawford, their bass player, should be the one getting all the props in that band. Really? Yeah, because Tim Crawford... You mean Comerford? Coming for I don't know how to say his name, but, <laughs> but no, I, I, I correcting someone how to say something. That's I, I barely listen to anymore. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to pronounce people's names ever, but uh, he was the sound of rage. I don't think Tom was the sound of rage. Tim Tim was the sound of rage because what made those you don't sounds, hear that from well, from fans. You, I was gonna say even from laymen because even just me not being a huge fan of them, I usually denote the sound of rage to the guitar tone. I can well, definitely see the bass. The, but, the, the, the guitar tone doesn't make the songs because a lot of distortion is mid range based distortion, which right. people automatically think that's a guitar. Uh, the moods. Pe- yeah, yeah. <laughs> but people think that's the guitar sound, and yeah. that's that's not the guitar sound. The guitars. Being it like the guitar sounds bigger bass because of the bass, you know, right. mud, muddying it up. Like, mm-hmm. so the bass makes the sound of that bass. The bass and then Zach's vocals yeah, too. Yeah, the guitar in that one was just more like a background or a colors and flavors. Yeah. The, the guitar was there to make you know cool noises yeah. and, and just he be approached there. it like a DJ, like yeah. a oh, Jam Master J and shit like mm-hmm. that. For sure, but no, I don't think Tom Morello is the sound of rage. He he, hmm. he 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 adds nice color, and he's the perfect guitar player for that band. But I think Tim and Zach are that make that band rage. Oh, that's an interesting uh, argument, man. I, I Tim Comerford's think... a great bass player, and all my bass player uh, buddies growing up put him on a huge. And you know, and that might make too. sense because they are kind of like a rap rock band, and, yeah, you know, yeah. and you know, and you know, in R and B and hip hop rap, you know, the bass and the drums are you know the main thing, kind of carrying the rhythm. So you know, having it be the bass player for Rays, that actually does kind of make sense. And it's all like That's super like warm that... and the uh, you know, it sounds good. It's not like corn where it's just fucking detuned <laughs> and clicky. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I could go on a whole long rant about what about corn, but I'm not well, gonna. That's one we can all agree on at least yeah it's like there's no point in no. ranting about corn because even corn fans will admit that corn's a terrible band <laughs> <laughs> hey 
okay. And it's like I admit, my favorite band of all time, Kiss, has had more shit years than good years. So, I mean. <laughs> I'm a Van Halen fan. I can't say anything. All right, all right, all right. We're not getting into Wait, that. Wait, did Van Halen ever have good years? <laughs> no. You know what? <laughs> but on that note, I think it's about time for us to figure out some good shit we're listening to. So, let's dig on into our Spotify playlist and figure out what the hell we've been listening to. What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. What the hell have you been listening to? I've been listening to a lot of that, uh... Uh, Everywhere at Once by the Plimsolls. Yeah, you've been listening to a little bit more Plimsolls lately. Yeah, I've been uh, going down the rabbit hole with them a little bit just because I like clean, plucky guitar tones and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. uh, I I didn't realize how diverse this album was. Of course, it has A Million Miles Away, which is probably their biggest song. But the whole damn album has some really good songs and really like, you know, different styles of rock music that I didn't Mm -hmm. expect from them. Uh, Shaky City, Magic Magic Touch, Play the Breaks. Uh, I'll Get Lucky is a really good one. Uh, My Life Ain't Easy is a really good one, too. I'd recommend the whole album to anybody. Well, yeah. Well, Tyler, what the hell have you been listening to, sir? So, my two ones. Uh, first one I'm going to go with is the song. I mean, I could go with the whole album. I'm going to just go with one song. It is Die by Bad Flower. Okay. I've been, I think I showed you all that one the other day. Yeah. I've, it's got a nasty guitar riff, nasty mm-hmm. bass tones, very relevant to the current political climate. Yeah. Uh, I've been digging that one a lot. And then also Over Now by Post Malone. I Post Malone? Yeah. Really? He showed me the, did you, is this the one that you no, showed no, me? No, I no, showed, I showed you Hollywood's Bleeding. Oh, okay. uh, I've been digging Over Now. It's uh, kind of like, you know, it details some personal relationship stuff that I've mm-hmm. been dealing with lately. So the lyrics are relevant to yeah. my current situation. Dude, isn't it the best where it's like you're going through some shit and then it's literally a new song comes out. It's not even that like you mm-hmm. rediscover an old song. A new song comes out and it's like you could have written the song and you're just like, oh my God, yes, this is so cathartic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have one of those by like a female artist that says something along those lines. And uh-huh. After I got through uh, hearing that song, I was just like, Asshole. <laughs> I was wiping a tear away. Well, sometimes it's like the song's written about something else. Like when Like Machines put out Run Hide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to get into my personal situation, but there was some stuff going on that was completely different than what that that song was written about, like drug addiction and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I had some other stuff going on in my life, and the song felt super relevant yeah. to that at the moment. I was like, it means wow. something real to you now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and, and that's always the best. I really like that. I've, I I've love when like songs like are. I love it when a song can just like transcend its original interpretation and can mean so much more. Like I don't. That's another thing with like Kiss. That I don't like their songs are very like lyrically like straightforward. Like yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what's. So that that's one of my big things with them. But yeah. uh, I, I like when songs open for interpretation. No, and I totally get that. And but but I can even kind of pull it because. I have had songs that have had a certain meaning starting out, and then I listen to it again years later, and now it holds a brand new meaning mm-hmm. for me. Same here. I could even pull Kiss songs into that. So yeah, they have a lot of fuck it, suck it songs. But at the same time, there are some songs ah. that just <laughs> there are some songs that you know 
are like love songs and shit and you'll listen yeah. to it and you're like oh that's cute and shit but then it's like you'll feel the emotion that maybe Paul has like maybe there, there's a song called uh, I Still Love You mm-hmm. and I've always heard that song but then it's like going through a nasty breakup listening to that song again you're just like oh fuck I, I, I feel this I feel this or like uh-huh. a, a, one of their other ballads every time I look at you yeah. it's a song about fucking up and begging for forgiveness <laughs> but here's the thing though man you've yet to run into a situation where the band has had to come first over the girl mm-hmm. once you, that happens that song hits you a little different and that's why I say when you get different life experiences, even a kooky song like Beth that is overplayed and yeah. stupid as shit will hit you a little harder. Can't come home right now. The boys are still playing. We just can't find the sound. You know, just a few more hours. I'll be home to you. You know, just please calm the fuck down. You yeah. knew, you knew what you were getting into uh-huh. dating me. Poor musician. That's, that's why, you know, as a musician, you don't date anybody. You just fuck everyone. <laughs> Well, outside of that little tangent, because I've had songs that just give you brand new meaning later on, so I Mm -hmm. I had to defend Kiss for a second. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, um, in between filmings and stuff and just kind of walking around letting you guys think it through, I was telling Cap about this on the way up. Band I've not thought about in forever. Ever as a little British punk band called the Toy Dolls, not super popular. I think their biggest song was called Nelly the Elephant, and they were basically a goofy punk band. All of their songs had like a silly humor to it. Uh, imagine maybe, uh, I would say maybe like a Steel Panther for punk rock bands, <laughs> if that makes any sense. I think you were talking to me about this band the other day. Yeah, like so, just they have songs like called "I've Got Asthma," <laughs> and and, um, and we're mad. And it's just literally a song about wear your mask. <laughs> yeah, and it's a song called "Nelly the Elephant," and it's literally about a circus elephant that runs away. Huh. You know, it's wow. just, it just goofy shit. Dig that groove, baby. It's just talking about really getting into a song and dancing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, but it sounds fun. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy stuff. They, and goofiest song outside of uh, Modern School of Motoring, which is probably my favorite. Uh, they have a song called um, uh, Florence's Death. Uh, and it's a story song. It starts out with, you know, it sounds like he's in the bath and the phone's ringing. He's like, oh, shit. He's got to get up and run over to the phone. It's like, hello, I'm your record producer. You need to come to the re- uh, to the studio and record a new LP. He's like, okay, goodbye. You know, and he's up the phone. He's like, hey, band, are you ready? Uh, get your drums, get your bass. Come on, let's go. And they hop in the fucking uh, cab and they're on the way. He's like, all right, yo, we're finally here at the recording studio. Then the song kicks in and all it is is just kind of like a steady entire time with a doorbell a door and, and, a yeah, doorbell it's like you'll hear a doorbell ring and then uh, it'll ride out for a little bit longer than ding 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 as that just still that rhythm's going in the background ding 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 that's hilarious and then a few bars later it turns into knocking and it's like hello dun 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 Florence and the song is literally about them just trying to get someone to come to the fucking door and it ends like it's of course building up with every bar to the end where he's just yelling he's like Florence like banging on the door hitting the doorbell over and over oh my god and finally the song stops and it's like what are you doing it's like 
goodness me, it's Florence. She's been shopping. <laughs> like that. It's the original Psycho Stick. Dude, yes. <laughs> Actually, that's perfect. It's a sty- it's punk rock for Psycho Stick. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best it. way to word it. Uh, best album to kind of check out because they've had a ton. It's just the We're Mad anthology. It has It's a two-disc CD. Half of it's not great, but the songs that are good are fucking hilarious. Awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Yeah, and again, guys, I fuck Facebook, as you heard me say at the beginning of last week's episode. Join the Discord. Join the Discord. Hit that link in the episode description. Sign up. Have some fun with us. We're just a bunch of fucking gearheads and shitheads sharing memes with food and pets and all that other crap. You can come talk to me, man. (laughs) Yeah, we're all three in there. We're activist shit. We're all all studly young men. I've, like, personally made friends through the Discord. Like, it's fucking fucking cool shit. People that, you you know... asked us to come over this weekend over the yeah. because of the discord and get all this set up i mean honestly i probably would have asked you even without the discord because i I've, appreciate I've, that I've seen, I, well i've seen the stuff you post on facebook so i had you in mind beforehand about like you know asking See, you, you all your guitar point. videos are paying off this, and this is why you post your stuff yeah. on you make fun of instagram guitar players but they get gigs. well exactly. it, wasn't that. It, it was seeing that you did the stuff with the country artists and when we were right. talking about that when i came up with that girl whatever to charlotte that one time that's where like yeah. the, that's where the idea of asking you to do something with me sparked from when I met you and uh, I, I can't remember her name. Was uh, Kelsey, Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey. Tyler was just in yeah. town while yeah. we were just hanging out one day and it just uh, I just like randomly up. showed up in the middle of the, <laughs> to Charlotte one day. I was like, like, hey, I'm in town. I was like, oh, okay. Well, you, oh yeah, you tried to hit me up too. While I was literally asleep. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, you can't get in the bar, but I'll see you outside. I, I, I still, he can I, now. Well, I, I walked into the bar. Anyways. Yeah, nobody checked his ID, but, but it was, he didn't come up to the bar or anything. Nah, nah it's yeah. fine. No one really honestly. Gives nah, a it's shit. not like we're naming the place. <laughs> and Tyler, where the hell can people find you outside of Discord? So. So, uh, most importantly, you should go follow the Dirt Preachers on Facebook and Instagram. Yes. Uh, it's just the Dirt Preachers, n- mm-hmm. nothing fancy like that. Uh, and then you can also find me on my personal Instagram at Dollar General Jesus. Love that. Right on. I, 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 that came up at a family dinner conversation. It was something, we were talking about something about making wine or something. I'm like, yeah, I'm basically the Dollar General Jesus. <laughs> Honestly, Dollar General Jesus might have been a good name for this country project. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that, that, that definitely could have worked. With dollar your own <laughs> Dollar General. Now, Jesus, that doesn't work. Nah. <laughs> Flub. <laughs> you could have made it work. I tried. <laughs> but Captain, you have a proper, a proper outro for us. Uh, I think uh, we should do one more acoustic track, Tyler. Let's do it right now. It's <laughs> not well, the reaction I was expecting. <laughs>
I would expect right? you to be like, God damn it. <laughs> Here's the thing is that, like, I have a song. <sighs> we got to go home, though. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash somethinggoodnetwork.